Welcome to the Ghouls and Galdem podcast. We've created this space for fans of the horror noir film genre that crave nuanced representation and commentary. From the perspectives of black women, black storytellers, and black horror fans who geek out and freak out (laughs) over anything that gets us gooped and spooked. Another episode of the uh, Ghouls and Gyaldem podcast. It's been a minute. Oh, seconds, real seconds. Yo, check out our episode description for content and trigger warnings if your head or your heart requires that information. And of course, there will be many spoilers ahead because that's what we do here. <laughs> Watch the movie then. This episode, we're diving into a cult classic. A George A. Romero feature. They're coming for you, Barbara. <laughs> that's not the line. <laughs> oh, they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> a Night of the Living Dead. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Written by John A. Russo and George A. Romero, and also directed by Romero. Okay, so this movie starts with a really long, winding, establishing shot of a Mm -hmm. car driving through a quaint countryside. Beautiful. Siblings Johnny and Barbara are driving to the cemetery to lay flowers for their dad. Johnny's whining about how long it takes to make a trip six hours to drive to the cemetery and five minutes to lay a wreath. Okay, so Barbara isn't here for her brother's complaining. I think you complain just to hear yourself talk. (laughs) Just as they exit the car, the radio turns on and we hear an announcement about an interruption in service. Turns out Barbara had to listen to his shit the whole drive without any music to drown him out because the radio lines were tied up. Weird. Weird, indeed. So uh, Barbara and Johnny place the wreath on their dad's grave and while Barbara's praying, Johnny complains about their mother making them come all the way out here while she stays at home. And then she's, then he starts chirping Barbara for praying. Oh, I don't understand. But like Barbara starts to ignore him and then the thunder and lightning start to flicker while he puts on his riding gloves. It's like, Oh shit. OJ isotoners. (laughs) Getting ready for some serious. (laughs) So Sarah's driving and then he stares at someone walking through the cemetery off in the distance. So Johnny says that he barely remembers their father's face. Mm. Um, this is a, a somber moment. And mm. he, he tells a story about scaring Barbara at the cemetery when they were kids and about being scolded by their grandfather for it. He loves this memory. Johnny's having a super indulgent moment here. They're mm. coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> and so, like, Barbara's obviously used to this because she tells him straight that he's being ignorant and out of nowhere, the man that Johnny saw walking earlier approaches and attacks Barbara. 
It's a zombie, plain and simple. This movie just jumps right into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Johnny isn't a complete ship brother, at least, because he does try to help Barbara fend off the attack. Oh, thanks, Johnny. Yeah, thanks. Well, it's all for nothing, because Johnny's not long for this world, <laughs> because he ends up taking a spill and knocking his head on a tombstone, so it's lights out for Johnny. Yo, bye-bye, Johnny. And this is where things just really go downhill for Barbara. We get a classic chase scene where she's running through the cemetery and even loses her shoe trying to get to the car. Barbara, what's going on? <laughs> she makes it to the car, but Johnny has the keys and, you know, he's dead right now. <laughs> R.I.P. Johnny. <sighs> so she locks the doors. And you're like, good. But the zombie picks up a brick and breaks the window. Okay, so we know that these zombies are capable of thought, yeah. which is terrifying. Uh-huh. They will do anything for the brains, and they'll be smart about it, too. <laughs> Fuck around and find out. <laughs> well, Barbara's going to be smart about it, too, okay. at least. You know, give the girl some credit. So she pulls the emergency brake, letting the car roll down the hill away from the zombie until she crashes it into a tree. Oh. <laughs> Barbara. Okay, but she does make a run for it. Quick time. Mm -hmm. This zombie is pretty fucking relentless, though, because he chases her the whole time, and eventually Barbara makes it into, like, a random farmhouse. Dog, I just gotta say this. Barb falls a lot. And I mean a lot. Well, yeah, but, like, she's running in heels. Then she was running in one heel. Yeah, well, now she's barefoot inside the house. At least she does the smart thing and immediately finds the kitchen and grabs a knife. Yeah. Underrated move. Just grab the knife. Oh, just do it. That's the first thing you should do in any circumstance similar to this. All right, girl. Now, fuck this up and fall. <laughs> just do it. We know you're going to do it. You're not going to let that go. Eh? Never. Oh, all right. So the farmhouse is turned over. It looks like somebody was either scrambling to get in or out. Oh, Duh, there's a zombie lurking about. So, like, Barbara tries to use the phone, but it's out of service. It's dark now, and there are more zombies approaching the house. Mm -hmm. I like that we know that it's probably around 9.30 at night because of all this seamless exposition at the top of the movie when Johnny was complaining about how long the drive was before he got mushed up. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. So, like, Barbara goes upstairs, and, of course, she finds a crusty corpse with no fucking face. Mm. All teeth. Mm-mm. That doesn't sit too well with our girl, Barb. She is shooketh. So she runs back downstairs and out the front door, but she comes face-to-face with the most beautiful black man you've ever seen. Oh, y'all, big man. My guy, played by Dwayne Jones. Let's just, let's just have a moment to appreciate the deliciousness of this man. Barbara is blinded by the headlights of Ben's truck and his beauty. <laughs> yeah, and then in the in this time he murks the two zombies that are clawing at them before squeezing into the house and boom, dead bodies. Boom, black man. <laughs> as soon as he's inside, Ben starts looking around and trying to get the scoop from Barbara. He's so hot. I love watching him take charge like that or well, anyway. You, you know, well, you wouldn't know it from Barb's response though. Silence. She don't know. It's okay. It's okay. But Ben tries the phone, and Barbara doesn't even have the sense to tell him that it isn't working. Okay, let's not disregard her trauma. Yeah, okay. She just watched her brother get killed and Mm. was chased by a zombie, Mm. and she doesn't even know what a zombie is. Mm. But Ben tries to get some sense out of her. He asks Barbara if she lives in the house, but gets no answer. Mm. 
He decides to go upstairs and also sees the crispy corpse. Mm. And then Ben comes back downstairs with a plan. Grab some food, get out, and find other people. Solid plan? Yeah. I think so. Yes. I'd be down. Right? And while he's searching for supplies, Barb is just tripping. Like, my girl is stroking <laughs> the furry wall and somehow ends up standing under a puddle of dripping blood. Okay. You know? Understandably so. The blood triggers Barbara into a state uh, that makes her look like she's on LSD. Mm-hmm. And she cries out, what's happening? You know, in that like old Hollywood voice. <laughs> ah, <laughs> <yeah>, see? <laughs> and then the two zombies outside start fucking with Ben's car. And these zombies are busting out the headlights. See, now that's just being petty as fuck. 100%. But what do you know about petty? You know, I bust the windows at your car. <laughs> Always a nice one. <laughs> ben tries to find out if Barbara knows anything about what's going on with the people outside. No, and Barb just can't deal. She like loses it. She's like, I don't know what's happening. Ben hears the zombies outside and heads out to start messing them up with a tire iron. This man means business. Yo, 100%. He's just proactive all the way. <laughs> Smash zombie, get to where you need to be. And while he's smashing skulls of zombies, like they make their way inside and we see Barb having another fit on a chair in the living room as an actual zombie approaches her from behind. Okay, so Ben comes in just in time to save her ass by giving that zombie a tire iron to the dome. <laughs> you know, the special effects on that skull looked like a cracked egg. Like, that's, that, that's it, it looked like eggshells. That's what they used. His braids were scrambled, bitch. <laughs> Barbara is dazed and confused, locking eyes with the dead zombie that Ben took out when he yells at her, don't look at it, before dragging the body outside to set it on fire, as one does. That burning zombie was a warning for all the other zombies outside. And it worked because they start to retreat. And now we know that zombies don't like fire. Right? Check. Ben goes back in to barricade the doors and the windows. And he tries to get Barb to help him, you know, find supplies or like, you know, turn on more lights. Like, thinking that they'll help the zombies get away. But Barb is mindlessly playing with the knife. So he gets frustrated with her fragile little ass and tells her that he needs her to pull her damn Wait. She goes off, still in a daze, and comes across a music box in the living room. And all the while, Ben is lugging whole doors and ripping apart the kitchen cabinets to board up the house with. Like, the man has basically done the job himself. Oh, yeah. This trick comes back with four little pieces of wood that she picked up from the fireplace. Kindling! Not even logs! (laughs) Like, pieces you would use for a birdhouse. What is this? Kindling for ants? At least she had the sense to walk over and to help Ben hold the big pieces of wood to board up the windows with. I mean, barely, but it's better than nothing, I guess. Dog, you're like, we know she's whatless. That's it. You know, which is why she ends up on nail duty. You know what I'm saying? Ben Ben says they can ride it out in the farmhouse, but we got to keep boarding up the windows because those things will be back and they'll be angry. So Ben tells her about... Uh, how he got there about grabbing the truck he showed up in from a diner down the road when he was being attacked by those things. He watched the diner get swarmed and watched another driver crash their truck while listening to the screams of the people burning up inside. Mm. Interesting because this must be how he learned that zombies hate fire. Mm. Like that's wild, right? Mm. It was him alone with 50 or 60 of those like things, zombies, what have you want to call them. So he hopped back into the truck and plowed through them. 
but they didn't move or run. They just stood there staring, scattered through the air like bugs. <laughs> you know, like that was a beautiful, it was a beautiful monologue. It really was. Yeah, it was. It really was. Uh, and you know, Barbara has her moment too. She starts to recount how she got there. She tells Ben about Johnny's death and remembers Johnny asking her for candy, but not having any for him. And this makes her sad. She remembers blaming Johnny for them being late and him teasing her. And she's getting worked up by the memory and Ben tries to tell her to stay calm, but she's like reliving the whole experience. She's like, I screamed, Johnny, help me. That's not how she sounds, but that's just what I'm doing. <laughs> it's accurate enough. I feel. <laughs> So the difference in the way they talk about their first attacks is wild. She's so obviously broken by it all, and Ben is cool as a cucumber, my guy. Maybe not cool, because, you know, all of the eminent death, but, you know, he's handling his shit, he's keeping it down, like, you know, can't crack under pressure, (laughs) and also, can we clock that she faced one zombie and is like this, while our man Ben went up against, like, a small army, militia, you know, anything like that. We all know who the most capable one in the room is. Yes. Yes, we do. And, like, all of a sudden, Barbara gets the brilliant idea that she should go out and look for Johnny. She tries to get to the door, and Ben is, ben is like, holding her back. Like, Barbara has hit the level of hysterics. Hysterics? No, she's lost her mind. Like, like it's gone. I, I know that's a problematic word to associate with with women, but, like, Barbara is, has lost it. Yeah. No, hysteria can be a proper term for this, because you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. No, where are you going? <laughs> you don't need to. And this woman comes out of nowhere... And slaps Ben in the face. That's hysterics. That's yeah. when you are being hysterical. But Ben, without any hesitation, slaps Barbara back. Like, and she faints. He places her on the couch and continues searching for supplies around the house. And Ben finds a radio and he finds a station that's covering developments on what's going on. There is an epidemic of mass murder being committed by a virtual army of Unidentified mass assassins. A sudden general explosion of mass homicide. Eyewitnesses say that they are ordinary people. Some describe them as being in kind of a trance. Ben ain't shook, though. He lights a fire in the fireplace and makes a torch out of a ripped curtain and a dining table leg. Resourceful. (laughs) He takes a gasoline-soaked armchair outside and sets it on fire to scare off the zombies outside of the house. Back inside, he's still boarding up windows. Another radio bulletin updates to say that all levels of government are coming together to handle the situation. When Barb wakes up, Ben is finally relaxing on the couch, smoking a cigarette, but he immediately clocks a closet across the room. He gets up and rummages through the closet, and he finds some shoes in there for Barbara and a shotgun for himself. And there is a ton of bullets. Score. Solid. Uh... The whole time, the radio is updating with the government response to what's being called a national emergency. Ben's feeling good. He says they're set with the windows boarded up, a radio, food, and water. Mm -hmm. He tries to assure Barbara that she'll be okay, and he even puts the shoes he found in the closet on her feet. Mm, He makes his way upstairs, and we hear the radio mention that victims are being partially devoured by their attackers. The killers are eating the flesh of the people they kill. (laughs) (laughs) This is really giving War of the Worlds full coverage realness. 100%. And just as the reporter is saying that no one is safe, 
we see the basement door move. <gasps> and two men appear out of fucking nowhere. They've been hiding in the cellar. We are now introduced to bitch-ass Harry Cooper and his little friend Thickum Tom. Oh my god, Thickum Tom. <laughs> Thickum Tom, dog. We learn that Harry's wife Helen and his daughter are down in the cellar along with Tom's girlfriend Judy. Ben calls them out for hiding in the cellar the whole time and not coming up to help when they heard Barbara screaming. Or... Trifling. So there's a bit of a moral debate about risking your life for someone who's in need of help. Ain't no debate about it. Harry Cooper is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, he tries to get them to go back down into the cellar, insisting that it's safe. It's the safer option. Ben isn't hearing it, though. At this point, there are close to 10 zombies outside, and some of them manage to slip their hands through one of the boarded-up windows. And Tom is down for the cause and starts hacking away at the arm while Ben shoots one of them in the chest. But if you know anything about zombies, which these people clearly don't, (laughs) you'll understand why this obviously doesn't phase the zombie until he shoots it again in the head. So all of a sudden, there's like 20 zombies outside the house. We see one of them eating a giant centipede off of a tree. So now we know that these things will eat anything. (laughs) Juicy. And Mr. Cooper tries to snake his way back downstairs and decides that he is taking Barbara with him. Ben's not having it, though. He says he and Barbara are staying upstairs and that he's fighting for everything up there, including the radio and the food. You get the hell down in the cellar. You can be the boss down there. I'm boss up here. That's my man. (laughs) Telling people what to do. (laughs) Tell me what to do. And yo, you got to clock this, though. This old ass man gremlin, you know, he's really out here trying to take all the women folk to the cellar. Yo, I'm just saying it's sus, fam. I'm just saying. My favorite thing about this movie is that Ben dogs Cooper at every opportunity. But my daughter is hurt. Too bad her daddy is a damn fool. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, like when when you set him up, you knock him down. Do it, Ben. And Tom calls his girlfriend Judy upstairs and decides that they're going to stay with Ben and Barbara and let Mr. Cooper enjoy the cellar with his family. Yo, Harry Cooper does a whole lot of shit talking for someone that doesn't manage to do any damn thing. Mm-hmm. Mr. Cooper is back in the cellar with his wife and sick daughter who they bandaged up with a torn sheet from the laundry. Hold up. Bandaged up from what? Exactly. Deception! Disgrace! Don't sue us, Disney. Don't. So when Helen Cooper learns that there's a radio upstairs, she tells her husband that he's a damn fool for locking them up in the cellar away from the only source of information. She doesn't want to be locked up in that dusty cellar with Mr. Cooper's dusty ass. No, she really reads him, eh? Yeah. We may not enjoy living together, but dying together isn't going to solve anything. Those people aren't our enemies. Yo, she That's doesn't bad. even want to die with you. No! And Yo. think about it. They said in sickness or in health. Oh, like, for you shit. better outlive. Like, the death do its part. And she's like, no, bitch. But Tom yells down to the cellar to let the Coopers know that in addition to a radio, they also found a TV upstairs. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so at this point, Mrs. Cooper has had enough. She wants to be upstairs with the adults to get the scoop on their whole situation. So somehow... Tom's girlfriend, Judy, gets roped into watching the little girl who is apparently too sick to be left alone. (laughs) Judy's face says everything. She's just like, fuck them kids. Like, she's not feeling this assignment. But she goes down to the cellar with the sick child anyways. Okay, we can get a read that no one is really about the Cooper family. Ah, 
The men go off to check for weak spots in the house, and when Mrs. Cooper comes upstairs, she sees Barbara zoned out and fingering the doily on the armchair of the couch. This woman, a complete stranger, is clearly spiraling, but Mrs. Cooper, you know, like the kind soul that she is, tells her, like, not to be afraid of her, and, you know, be good, and it's okay. Mr. Cooper returns talking shit about the house. He forcefully grabs a cigarette from Mrs. Cooper. You know, the man's a brute. He's mean mugging Barbara while he lights his cigarette. And Mrs. Cooper clocks that he's vexed. So she informs him that Barbara's brother died just to put him in his place. See, this is how we know that these people fully heard everything when they were downstairs in the cellar from the moment Barbara and Ben first came into the house. And of course, it was dusty Mr. Cooper who insisted that they hide down there and not go up to help. (sighs) Mr. Cooper is going on about how shit the window barricades are, and Mrs. Cooper just blazes on. She's like, why don't you do something to help somebody? See, even his own wife knows he ain't shit. Because mm-hmm, he ain't. <laughs> He's a scrub. <laughs> ben and Tom set up the TV they found in the sitting room just in time for them to catch the news bulletin. Then, out of nowhere, Mr. Cooper starts wagging his finger in Barbara's face, telling her that she better pay attention and understand what's going on because he doesn't want to be responsible for anyone. Like, weird flex, but okay, Mr. Cooper. You haven't been responsible for shit. And we know that you can't save nobody. You know, he must have a fat wallet. Or a fat dick. Because there's no reason for Mrs. Cooper to be with this person. Facts. 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 Mrs. Facts. Cooper Facts. tells him to chill. And she tries to ask if she can do anything to help when Ben puts him in his place. Telling him to chill the fuck out and to leave Barbara alone. The latest update from Washington is read by the reporter. Ooh, love it. Okay. Persons who have recently died have come back to life and are seeking human victims. Okay, first advisories were to stay inside behind locked doors, but rescue stations have been set up by the National Guard. Ben suggests that they all hop in the truck out back, but there's no gas. (laughs) But Tom points out that there's a gas tank. So Ben reminds us that he is again the most competent and says, I know, but the gas pump is locked. Like, did y'all forget that Ben is the most aware of the situation? He understood the assignment and went for extra credit and he got himself a triple plus bitch. (laughs) The government reps on the TV are being weirdly, but like not so weird because they're the government. Like, hush, hush about the situation. Why are there space experts being consulted about an earthbound viral emergency? Aliens and zombies? What did we... Nah. They think that radiation from a failed space mission to Venus is to blame for the phenomenon. Oh, so space radiation is the culprit. Hey, man. When in doubt, blame it on space. Yeah. Or even aliens, for that matter. Yeah, because they can't defend themselves. (laughs) So Tom and Judy mentioned that they're from the area and could possibly help find the group's way to the rescue center. The couple were on their way to the lake when they heard what was happening on the radio. The first thing they thought of was the old farmhouse, so they went there. When they got there, though, the Coopers were already inside the house. Ben asks about the kids' condition, and Mrs. Cooper is being kind of shifty. I knew it. See, we never got a story about what happened to that girl, and like we see on the news, they should be wary of anyone who's in critical condition from any injuries. And Mrs. Cooper is darting her eyes back and forth because she knows that her daughter got bit and could possibly end up dying, but she's not saying shit. Ben ain't with it. 
He tells Tom to call Judy upstairs so that Mrs. Cooper could go take care of her own damn child. And the little girl says, I hurt. We're about to see a child zombie. No fair. No fair. <laughs> and the deuce is talking about how quickly a body turns after dying and says that as soon as someone dies, you gotta light their asses on fire. Man is just like, hit him, burn him, and shoot him. They're just dead flesh and dangerous. <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Ben tells Judy to look for bed sheets, and Tom goes off to find bottles so they can make Molotov cocktails. <laughs> That's what they're making, shaking and stirring. <laughs> As everyone is going off to find supplies, Mr. Cooper mumbles under his breath that there's a key ring that could maybe have a key to the gas pump. Where the fuck was that information? Where? Where was it? Where was it, like, when everyone needed it? So they devise a plan to fight their way through the zombies outside to fill up on gas, make their way back in, gather everyone up, and get to the truck. Judy doesn't see the value in the plan, but Tom is trying to sweeten her up. Like, he's like, you always have a smile for me, teehee. Judy's starting to think that they're safe where they are and should stay put in the house. But Tom's gotta do what Tom's gotta do. So Mrs. Cooper takes Barbara downstairs, but it requires a bit of coaxing. Barb is not in service. <laughs> like, she's out. Like, she checked out time ago, and they tell her, once this plan is complete, they'll all get to go home. The plan is in motion. Mr. Cooper is upstairs throwing Molotovs as Ben and Tom make a run for it outside to get to the truck. Like a bat out of hell, Judy runs out the house after Tom and decides that she just has to be in the truck with him. What are you gonna do, Judy? Like, in this situation, you're the third wheel, girl. <laughs> and Ben tells Judy to hurry her ass up before he hops in the back of the truck, wielding his table torch to keep the zombies at bay. They finally make it to the pump, but for some reason, Tom can't get the hose into the gas tank. Dude is spraying gas everywhere. And of course, the truck catches on fire before they can fill it up. Tom drives the truck away from the pump to avoid an explosion, but Judy's coat gets caught before they can get out, and the truck explodes, killing them both. We were rooting for you. What the hell? So, <sighs> after this traumatic experience, Ben has just watched these poor kids die. He tries to make it back inside the house, but Cooper's bitch ass won't even open the door for him. He's not going to let him back inside the house. No, it ain't no thing because Big Ben breaks down that door just in time to see Mr. Cooper cowering by the stairs. This man has two modes. Punk and punk bitch. Yeah, they both switched on. It doesn't matter. <laughs> ben puts the boards back on the door and Cooper actually comes over to help him. Like me, me. But as soon as the last nail is in that bitch... Ben gives this man the ass whooping he's been begging for since the beginning of this movie. Like, Thank at least goodness. 40 minutes ago, Yo. he's been begging for it. Cruising for a bruising dog. So outside, the zombies are having a cookout. <laughs> Tom and Judy are cooked medium well from the explosion, and the zombies are loving it. They're just missing their barbecue sauce. Yo, and we even get to see this, like, little montage of zombies eating flesh. Like, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fun fact. Barbecue Tom and Judy's corpses were made out of chocolate-covered hams. Ooh, that sounds pretty, 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 pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
back inside, it's minutes to 3 a.m. And there's supposed to be another broadcast on the television. Barbara has a moment because she thinks it's home time. Ben asked Mrs. Cooper where the family abandoned the car when they got attacked before finding the house. Cooper says it's at least a mile away, and they can't carry the sick child all that way back. <laughs> ben hits him with, I can carry her. Yo, this man's face gooped. <laughs> <laughs> Again, ping. And Barbara chimes in with a memory. Johnny has the keys. <laughs> Thanks, Barb. <laughs> now we know we're fucked with no transportation. Uh, finally, Ben asks the Coopers, what's wrong with your daughter? Well, well, well. You're sitting on a secret. The Coopers' dirty, dirty secrets come out. The girl was bitten. Like, obviously. I saw that bloody bandage on her arm earlier. And, you know, and Ben, in true black people fashion, yells, You don't know what kind of diseases those things have? <laughs> Which is so cute because their collective knowledge is so limited that even the most cautious of them is worried about contractable diseases. Ben's just looking out for his health. So the broadcast they saw earlier was fully talking about what to do if someone is attacked and specifically bitten by one of those creatures. Oh, just drag them out and burn them. Like after they're dead. But, you know, I guess you can just get ahead of the game and light someone up the second they get bit. Yo, you know, be proactive. (laughs) That's the only way to survive a zombie attack, really. Listen, there's a special place in hell for zombie movie characters that keep bites a secret from the rest of their crew. Honestly, I would have thrown them out. Right out of the house in the beginning. Cold-blooded. Hey, you don't need to be here. You don't, you don't need to be here. No, this is my house now. Oh, man. And Barbara chimes in again, telling them that they can't start the car because Johnny has the keys. This gives Ben a new idea, though. He wants to get to Barbara's car. A whole new mission. Right then, though, the three o'clock bulletin comes on and they're being told that the cause of this epidemic is, in fact, the mysterious radiation, quote unquote, from the Venus mission. Mm, They report that the dead bodies are going to keep coming back to life. So keep lighting them on fire. (laughs) Pretty basic response. Yeah, thanks. The news bulletin switches to footage of the law, which is just a bunch of shotgun wielding, plaid shirt wearing, mm-hmm. tobacco chewing, deer hunting, mm. white men with an all too eager glimmer in their eyes. I know this is supposed to be the rescue mission team, but they're giving me tiki torch vibes. Okay, yeah, the chief of police is being interviewed, talking about how many ghouls they've killed already. Kill the brain and you kill the ghoul. Beat them or burn them. They go up pretty easy. The rescue team is making their way to Willard, which is the location of the rescue site that Ben and the gang are hoping to make their way to. Back at the house, the power suddenly goes out. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. (laughs) Ben asks if the fuse box is downstairs in the cellar, and all Mr. Cooper can say is, I don't know. Like, even after spending... All that time down there. You're worthless, man. You're worthless. You're worthless. You're a damn fool. He's worth literally nothing. Then he starts to conspire with Helen, his wife, talking about, I gotta get this gun. And you know how much his wife dislikes him? Because she says, haven't you had enough? Like, calm your little ass down. (sighs) Oh, complex if you ever had one. But like, we know it's fine. But no. 
He blames Ben for everything that's happened, including Tom and Judy's death, and he's talking all this shit right in front of Barbara. Like, you don't know that's his friend? Uh-uh. Ben and Barbara have been riding from day one together. Yeah. Come collect yourself, my guy. Ah, y'all. Been in the cellar the whole time, and even when you were up here with Ben, you saw how well he handles his shit. Exactly. The only reason Tom and Judy are dead is because they fucked their own shit up. You know, Judy should have just stayed her ass home. And Tom should have been more careful when he was fucking with the gas, not waving the nozzle around all willy-nilly near an open flame. Like, there's fire everywhere, Tom. Little fires everywhere. Zombie fires everywhere. The sequel. (laughs) Both have lots of fire and subtle commentary on race. That ending, though. That was wild. I don't know. I've never watched the show. You should do it. <laughs> okay, so the zombies have leveled up. They're, 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 they're starting to use rocks and bricks to break into the house. They're mashing it up and breaking through the barricades, but Mrs. Cooper is doing her part to hold it down. And Ben is doing his part, and Mr. Cooper is pissing himself in the middle of the living room. They're both looking at him, wondering if he's going to push up on one of the doors or windows to keep these zombies out, but he's just got his eyes on the shotgun, and as soon as Ben drops it, he goes for it. Now he feels like a big man, but he still gets his ass slapped, because Ben beats him with a piece of wood, and then shoots him, and all the while, Mrs. Cooper doesn't say shit. Well, she doesn't really have time to, because she's getting grabbed at through the door. Mm, You know, and Barbara's on the couch, still stunned. And watches as Mrs. Cooper gets got. But she does find herself and saves Mrs. Cooper at the very, very last second. Mr. Cooper stumbles down into the cellar, clutching his gunshot wound. He gets down there just in time to see his little girl turn into a zombie. By the time Mrs. Cooper makes it downstairs as well, her husband is getting munched on by their zombie daughter. And of course, Mrs. Cooper meets her end too. Little girl mm. stabs her with a gardening spade. Honestly, I love how this is shot. Oh, yo, the bitch goes in. Back upstairs, Barbara has snapped the fuck out of her trance, finally. She's in it to win it now and has started to help Ben keep the zombies at bay. Because they ain't messing around now. And they're just pouring in and around the property. And the door finally caves in with all that zombie weight on it. And in comes Brother Johnny. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I'm coming to get you, Barbara. (laughs) And in this very moment, poor Barbara meets her end. You were killed by your own brother. (laughs) She's gone. So Ben has to fight off the zombie horde like he do. What can't he do? Everything. He do everything. Sky's the limit with this man. Ben then makes his way into the cellar and barricades it just in time. And the house has zombies crawling all over it. We even see a bear-ass zombie walking by, all back, no front. Don't quite understand it. No, no. I like both. Don't understand. But they let them do that. And Ben is settling into the cellar just as Mr. Cooper's corpse is turning. And I will say, this is some pretty satisfying shit. It really is. Mm -hmm. In a millisecond, Ben pops Cooper in his shiny ass head. And then there's a sound heard somewhere off into the corner of the cellar. And now we got a zombie Mrs. Cooper coming up on Ben. He gets her ass too, and the Cooper line is no more. Here's to you, Ben. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
We love to see it. We love to see it. Like, end of bloodline. That's fine. Do it. Fuck the Coopers. (laughs) And Ben is finally alone downstairs and waiting for the zombies to break through, clinging to his shotgun. So it's now daylight, and the cops and search party have made their way to the area near Willard. They've hunted the ghouls all night, killing everyone they find, and have made their way to the house. And Ben has last the night, and he hears the sirens from the cellar. He also hears the dogs barking, and he wonders if it's safe to come out. The police chief and his men make their way to the house and are picking off the stray zombies. Ben pops up. And without hesitation, the police end up shooting Ben right in the head as he was approaching the window with his shotgun up. Can you imagine that? Dog. Like, can you imagine having to put up with all that wild shit? Man. First it was Barb, the Whatless. Then it was the Whatless Coopers. To be honest, Thickum Tom was all right, but like... But the gas, though. Yeah, the gas. Mm -hmm. But you get it. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I know. It's like, not right. I know I'd come back and haunt a bitch because I'm petty <laughs> like that. But, like, anyways, the movie ends with still shots of the cops moving throughout the house. They honestly look like newspaper clippings from the civil rights era, and this eerie music is playing. Like, we see all the bodies, and then you just see Ben there. It's kind of heartbreaking. Oh, yeah, no. When this whole thing is done, I felt like I just got punched in the stomach. Like, it was wild. This was really a hard one to watch, but also, like, an easy film to watch. Yeah. I think the story was just so simply put. Yes. The pacing of this movie was very, very good. And this is the first time I've ever seen this. Yes. I've been putting it off because I don't really like zombies. They're not really my cup of tea. I love zombies. Not mine. I love zombie movies. Like, I watched um, 30 Days of Night just recently. Oh, I had to watch that during, like, I don't know, like, the when you starve to, like, save money for, like, other, like, impoverished countries and, like... Like a 30-hour famine? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. And we didn't know we could eat rice because <laughs> we were like, oh, no, famine means you just starve. And I'm like, why are we so ignorant? But, like, whatever. <laughs> there was freezes and rice available, but we didn't eat them because we didn't know. <laughs> but, no, we had to watch 30 Days of Night, and I was, like, sitting in this chair being like, I love it. It's so good. I love that movie. I think it's because I hate Josh Hartnett. Hartnett. I love Josh Hartnett. 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 No. Not mine. That movie does it for me. But this movie was good, though. This movie, I think, is, like, it's a classic for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Dwayne Jones, uh, one of the most iconic black leads at Mm -hmm. a time where black leads were far and few between um and he's yeah. also done like several horror movies because he's done ganja and hess too yeah. he's been the lead in horror movies he does like them yeah remember when we put on the wrong version of this movie and we didn't realize it until we saw tony todd's name in the credits and we're like what what are we doing <laughs> which like i would say that's the other thing about this series that i actually very enjoy is like he just fan fictioned his own stuff. Like, Barbara. Barbara has a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, go girl. Go mm-hmm. girl. I'm like, yeah, do the things that you weren't expecting. And like, you know, Ben still dies. Um, do we want to talk about our three favorite interesting facts or moments about this film? Yeah, go for it. You can go first okay. after you. Okay. So one of the things that I found most interesting about this film was the fact that 
real Pittsburgh police officers were used Ooh. in the casting, um, which makes, you know, I was really creeped out by the police presence in this film, especially when you consider what has been happening in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, forever and always, but mm-hmm. especially in the last couple of years with these police killings and the Black Lives Matter movement and whatnot, to see a movie that was made in 1968 have such a such an impactful um, focus on police brutality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to know that actual real life police officers were involved in making the film, I was just like too meta for me. Yeah. Um, the next interesting fact for me is that actually, should we go back and forth? Yeah, uh, do we can you do, do that. It? So to go off of your points about like everything with the police and everything, it's like, well, George wasn't even thinking that this was going to blow up as politically as he thought because he didn't think. Like, he just, he casted Dwayne because, like, he wanted to cast Dwayne. He wasn't thinking, like, oh, he's a black man or a white man or anything. He just ended up casting him because he casted him. Mm-hmm. And then when he started realizing the the actual politicalness of even just having him in there and doing the things that he was going to do, because even in the beginning, I think, what was the thing that I found out? that the character Ben was supposed to be, like, this nasty, dutty, uh, like, truck driver man. Okay, so that was one of my interesting facts. That that was, uh, like, okay, so his name um, was Rudy Ricci, and he was originally cast as the lead to play Ben, but then he ended up just playing a zombie. Oh, and shit. So he's That's actually, nice still. he's still in the movie. And if you look at his IMDb page, it's, um, it's sort of sad because there's like, I mean, sad is relative, I guess. Who knows if he decided that he wanted yeah. to continue acting after this film, after just playing a zombie. But yeah, it's one of, uh, Night of the Living Dead is one of very few credits that he has. Oh. So I only imagine what the film could have done for him if he did play the lead. But I also don't think that the film would have been the what same. it is if it wasn't Dwayne Jones playing the lead. No, and another thing about that that's cool too, and this is why I really like this because like it is uh, one of the most grossing independent films mm-hmm. and like their budget was super low. That's why I eat the ham and the chocolate sauce yeah. and stuff. <laughs> Eggshells. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the other thing about it was is that the openness for creative, creative out stuff because even Ben wrote his own dialogue. Uh-huh. So take that in consideration. Ben wrote his own dialogue. He wrote his own dialogue. Or Dwayne, rather. Yes, Dwayne wrote his own dialogue. Wow. So to check in with that, you're like, okay. You realize like the director being like, oh, so this is oh, this is the direction we can take it because this is where it ended up being by accident. So, so like cool. why not collaborate with that person? Just like how we talk about now, how like should we not get the people who probably know how to say and do these things to be in the writer's yeah, room? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Some like more inclusive storytelling practices. Mm, like, what would you do if you were a black man in a zombie apocalypse with a bunch of white people around you? What would you do? Yeah. Let's ask. Let's ask a black man. <laughs> <laughs> how about we ask a black man? <laughs> right? Oh, so, man. no, that's what I really appreciated, appreciated about him a lot of the time. I'm like, oh, so you're just a cool dude. Wow. Oh, like R.I.P., yeah. But, like, good man. What else did you find out? What else did I find out? Oh, because I really needed to know about this naked zombie. Oh. Because it just popped up. They're like, so, with this naked zombie, 
it was like a model of an artist. So I guess like there'd probably be somebody who was doing like freehand, free life, whatever those types of like classes are when you draw and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, oh yeah, like I'll be in the movie and I'm fine with being nude and blah, blah, blah. Everybody in the town found out that she was, was going to do movie. in the naked in the movie. And so they all like parked out front like by like the property borderlines to watch and see this naked person think about how gross that's that is. so creepy imagine everyone from your small town pulling up to the movie set that you're on just to see you naked ew right ah, that's creepy right and judy i forget like the chick who played judy like said like some funny comments like we were like the rave of the town or like that was like the biggest thing that happened i guess for that town or something was to see this lady that you technically can already see naked anyways if you take the life drawing class oh my god just take a class if you really want to see your naked that badly, just take the class. Oh, that's so weird. It's like, no, I hate it when people do that. I'm like, don't make me feel uncomfortable at work. Wow. I'm just naked. But I'm I'm naked doing my job. Right? Wow. You just want to see my bare ass. Ugh. Chill. Um, yeah, people are wild. Wow. I guess the final thing that I learned was that in 2013... What's up? There was a Night of the Living Dead play... Oh. That was staged in Toronto. Oh, we're stupid. Holy heck. We're dumb. That was executive produced by George A. Romero, by John A. Russo, and uh, Russell Striner. Like, they made this play. Oh. They put it on in our hometown. <laughs> oh. And we didn't even know that it was a thing. Oh, if that I makes had me a, sad. If I had a time machine, I would go back to 2013. One, because, wow. Yeah. Remember 2013? <laughs> Oh, being yeah, I remember was like finally 20... being out of theater school. Oh and yeah, being like what? Remember being twenty five? Well, yeah, we're a couple years apart, but still, but still, we're in the same genre of time. Oh god, that was a wild time for us. Even like, what do you call it? At the same time, the what's the one with the people and they they go to the middle of the forest and they hang out in the shack. And everybody makes fun of them. Cabin in the Woods? No, it's the one with uh, the really sexy, old, like, older fellow. Ash. And they made a musical about it. Oh, um, oh, 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 Evil Dead. There we go. <laughs> See, like, there was two, te- technically, like, two, like, zombie-esque. I know Evil Dead is not technically zombies. It's demonic yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, But still, two horror movie genre things that are being made into place. Yeah. Yeah, Evil Dead the musical came out around the same time. Even, what would you say, even, like, a Lady in Black like that suspenseful kind of ghost movie with Daniel Radcliffe in it, and they made like an, mm-hmm. they, there's an old one, and then they there's a play with it too, mm-hmm. where like there's a part where it's like all in the dark and like people come and touch you. Oh God! Yeah, no, 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 no. no. Wow. Ossington Theater did that. Like R.I.P. Ossington Theater. Wow, wow, so many riches in the genre horror. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, we did it! Did it? We really did. Bingo, bango, bongo. After quite some time away, we, uh, um, you know, we we made our return. Yes. The Prodigal Kids Return. The sequel. <laughs> the series. The series. That, yes. That's what, that's what this is. This the is anthology. Oh, man. Folks, thank you so much for joining us uh, for another episode of the Ghouls and Galdem podcast. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ghouls and Galdem. That's G-H-O-U-L-Z-N-G-Y-A-L-D-E-M. 
Let us know what black horror film you'd like us to review next. Yes, please. Slide in those DMs. Send us your recommendations. Show us some love and make sure you tell all your friends about us. Ghouls and Galdem is a bow and lace production in association with Two Skins Entertainment. Editing for this episode is done by us because yeah. Andy's studying <laughs> and we're more than capable. We love you. <laughs> Our theme song was still recorded by Trombotai. Pew, 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 pew. pew. pew.